0: So last week, we started our Advent series, and it was kicked off by my wife, Heather Leanne Zanako. Amazing. Who was here and got rocked? Other than me, I was front and center, and I think I got, I was in the splash zone, so I got the most. But it was amazing. And this morning, we have my mom, Linda Zanako, preaching to us this morning. So go ahead and give her a round of applause as she comes up here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. How's the height? Oh, wrong one. Is it going to work? I think you did it. I'm thankful for my mom. Anybody else thankful for my mom? Is anybody thankful for your own mom? Yeah. Anybody think moms are amazing? Every day is Mother's Day, right, Mom? We love you so much. She's amazing, and she loves Jesus like crazy and she's loved Jesus for a long time, and she's lived her life in an amazing way for a long time, and I'm thankful for that. It's changed my life and my kids and my marriage and everything, and it's just absolutely amazing, and um, she does a lot of things and serves a lot of people, and if you were here a, a few months ago or something, uh, I interviewed her on a Sunday morning about the ministry that she's a part of, and I told her this week, I said, hey, you know, I know you get invited to speak a lot of places because of He Knows Your Name and the ministry, but this isn't like a, this isn't a He Knows Your Name speaking engagement. You're just a Amazing, so come preach about Jesus. And she's like, oh, okay, I don't usually get asked that. So it's gonna be awesome, and she's gonna continue our series this morning. So are you ready to receive from mama? She serves you so much. She's on she's on the board of our church and all kinds of things. So we love you, mom. And I'm gonna fix your stand here while you introduce yourself. Okay. But and she looks great. Go
1: okay, all right. So. Well, when Andrew invited me to give this message, he suggested that I introduce myself a bit. And he said, you know, you're Rose and Smith's honey. And that's pretty much the most favorite role I have for sure. The hat I wear as honey to them is so endearing to me. But I also love being Andrew's mom. I love that Andrew is my pastor because I love resting under his authority as I lead this church as being a part of the board of directors, but also as I give this message today. His headship in our church is a blessing to my mother's heart. Last week when Heather started us off with this amazing series, she gave a great message and she explained that the Christmas season and story is easy to pass over because we're so distracted. But in the midst of everything going on in and through our lives, we get to celebrate that Christmas is full of expectation. The series that we are doing this Advent called I Am Pregnant, we are celebrating that this Christmas was just like Mary. We were made to be touched by the hand of God and carry his kingdom. This week, I want to start with another passage from the uh, Christmas story. So please open your Bibles to Luke 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. My morning coffee. In those days, Caesar Augustus Augustus even issued, issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judah to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, because she was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Like most of the Christmas story, this is very familiar to most of us, and I'm sure we could recite it from memory. But the reason Jesus was born in a little town of Bethlehem was because Caesar called for a census, and everyone had to go back to where they were originally from. At first glance, it looks like Joseph is just an arbitrary character in this story but he wasn't. He just like Mary was handpicked by God to fulfill this amazing plan to save the world. Joseph was in from the house and line of David. His lineage was what took them back to Bethlehem. God was managing every detail perfectly. Joseph as head of the house had to pack up all their belongings, and he put dear Mary on a donkey, and he set back for Bethlehem. It was a long journey to a little inconvenient town. After the uncomfortably long journey, they arrived at their destination, only to be told there was no room for them at the inn. So they headed out to the barn. And that's where Mary's contractions increased. She inhaled a little hay, and Joseph played midwife, and Jesus was born. The wonderfully simple story of Christmas has a lot of main characters. Mary, Joseph, the donkey, the shepherds, and even the star. But the one main character that often gets overlooked is the city of Bethlehem. You can't have a story without a setting. Over the past 10 years, I've become kind of a story expert. A few months ago, when Andrew referred to interviewing me on a Sunday morning, I talked a little bit about my ministry, He Knows Your Name, and my book of the same name. And I released that last year. Essentially, God allows me to step into the stories of other people's lives. But no matter, and no matter where the story is, it always takes place somewhere. I have yet to find a story that doesn't have a setting. The setting gives context, and that often gives us the understanding we need to perceive the story. And we all have a story, and all of our stories have settings. Everything that has happened in your life has happened somewhere in some city. For those of us here this morning that live in and around this area, no matter what the different details are about your story, we all share this setting. Indianapolis and the surrounding area is the context for our story. Indy is our Bethlehem. Maybe you grew up here, maybe you moved here when you were young or for a job. Maybe Indy has always been familiar to you, or maybe it just seems totally random. But no matter what brought you here, you're here. And your life, your story, is happening here. And for the last 34 years of my life, my story has been here, here in Indianapolis. Steve, my high school sweetheart, and I celebrated our first wedding anniversary with a move from the East Coast to Indianapolis, back to the Midwest, which was not far from where we started from in the Chicago area. We found an apartment right up the street on Allisonville Road, just south of 96th Street, and we quickly made Castleton our home. We joined a little gym called Raleigh's, and we met a group of newly married young people. (laughs) And that was such a huge relief, because the first year of marriage, we had made no friends. We had moved twice in nine months, and we felt completely displaced. I had been born and raised in the same house for 21 years in a suburb of Chicago, and I was the very first one to move in my family. I was the first one to move away from home. And leaving was hard. Starting over is lonely. Learning to be married and making friends and being away from my family was a challenge for this introvert. When I think about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem, I can't help but think I have a pretty good idea about how they felt. Being back in the Midwest felt a little like home to me, in some regards, but not others. I quickly realized that people here were different when it came to church. Where I came from, everyone referred to themselves as the mainline denomination they were from. I'm so-and-so, I'm Catholic. I'm Episcopalian, I'm Methodist. But the first person I met when I moved here told me her name and then said, and I'm a Christian. I had never heard that before, never. I wondered why she called herself that. I thought, that's really odd. She didn't call herself a church. I didn't understand why she said that, but it did stick with me in a very deep-down place, I knew what she was saying meant something different that I did not understand. The next year, three years quickly passed as a group, our group of friends started to settle into their jobs, into their new homes, and over those years, these friends invited us to their Christian Friends and Families events, and I quickly realized that she was not just a Christian, but she came from generations of Christians. We were still living in that little apartment when in March of 1986, I had my Mary and Angel moment. Well, without the angel. (laughs) But I was pregnant. With so much excitement, the first question I asked is, when is my baby due? And after the nurse made her quick calculations, it was determined that October 17th would be the day that she would arrive, well, my baby would arrive. Being pregnant in the 80s, there were no maternity photo sessions. There were no gender reveal parties or Insta stories documenting every second of the journey. (laughs) That's a good thing, though, because the maternity clothes in the 80s were not cute. I hid behind tent dresses and tops that looked like tablecloths. But trust me, there was really no disguising the 40 plus pounds I gained under those tablecloth tops. I didn't even have the option of an ultrasound to tell me the sex of my baby. And I didn't even have an angel spoil that surprise for me either. But my baby came three days late, and I was told then and there, it's a girl. And we named her Lauren, and the rest is history. I didn't move to Indy to become pregnant naturally. God moved me here because I was pregnant spiritually. In the spring after Lauren was born, our friends invited them to a church service. And that was the first time they had invited us there. I finally heard the simplicity of the gospel and it was presented in a beautiful way. And I realized that even though I knew Jesus in my religious background, I did not know him in a relationship. I grabbed hold of the gift of grace, and I became a Christian. My old labels fell off of me, and I realized that I was a child of God, and that changed absolutely everything. My need to be perfect became a need to be a woman of purpose. And there is a reason Jesus tells us that salvation means being born again. My roles took on new meaning, and so did where I lived. When God brought me back here to Indianapolis, he brought me here for a reason. I didn't know it, but I was pregnant. I was pregnant with who God called me to be and who he wanted me to be and what he wanted my life to be. Just like Heather said last week, God wants to birth the impossible through you. Everything he is doing was to birth the impossible. It was a part of a much bigger picture with more impact than I could have ever imagined. It meant salvation for me. It meant salvation for Steve. It meant salvation for my siblings and their spouses and their children and our children. I thought moving to Indianapolis was a destination for the provision of a job. I had no idea that I was pregnant in this city for the destiny on my life, for how my life and my family and the next generation would be impacted while they lived here. Just like Indianapolis seemed random to me, Bethlehem seems like a random place for God to do something so significant. It's small, nothing big happens there. And it just so happened that Caesar called a census, and that's why Jesus ended up being born there. It's all seemingly a coincidence. But Bethlehem was not random. It was pregnant. It was a pregnant city, and like Mary, carried a pregnant promise that would change the world. It's prophesied in Micah 5.2 that Jesus would be born there and it's restated again in Matthew 2:6 that the birth of Jesus would be in Bethlehem and it's not just a convenient pit stop for a donkey it was where god determined the savior would be born it's not just a destination but an invitation for the world to receive the greatest gift of all i want to reach back into the old testament Bethlehem makes an entrance in the book of Ruth that's very important to our understanding of how God prepared this little city for greatness. I'm just going to summarize the four chapters, but I really would love for you to read them on your own and see how God is so faithful to family. The book of Ruth is a narrative of a love story, yet also has, like I said, incredible genealogy. The timeline of this book is intertwined during the period from the judges. The author is suspected to be anonymous, but they think perhaps it was written by Samuel the prophet. Its purpose was to demonstrate the kind of love and faithfulness that God desires for us. It shows the difference between what happens when a nation does not follow in obedience to the covenant of God and when God's people do follow in faithfulness within a covenant. So in chapter 1, Ruth remains loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi, after the death of her husband and in-laws. Naomi decides to return to her homeland of Bethlehem alone. Naomi then in, says to Ruth, don't come with me. But Ruth insists, and verse 16 says, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. For where you stay, I will stay. My, your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Chapter 2, we see Ruth gleaning in the fields where Naomi's relative is, and his name is Boaz. Boaz, out of compassion and obedience to the law, allows Ruth to glean there, and he encourages her to take extra grain for her, and he does that on purpose. Chapter 3, we have Naomi encouraging Ruth to seek marriage with Boaz because he is her kinsman-redeemer. Ruth obeys Naomi and asks for the rights for Boaz, to agree to marry her. And then we see in chapter 4 where Ruth and Boaz do get married, and the beautiful conception of a son happens for them. They name him Obed. Obed is the grandfather of the great King David. Bethlehem birthed the lineage of Christ the Messiah. Bethlehem is not a new city on the scene in the Christmas story. He planned long ago for a family to come to this surprising place and God set the stage for this miracle and the prophecy proves it over and over all throughout God's word. What Ruth, a widow, probably saw was random, was orchestrated by the sovereign king of kings. Can you believe that God put the desire in the heart of a young woman to follow her mother-in-law back to her hometown? What appeared to be an incredible act of kindness on Ruth's part actually was a monumental act of God to protect the lineage of Jesus Christ. Four chapters of that book tell the story of a family, but the last sentence holds the revelation for the real purpose for that family. It was to go to a city so that the impossible could be born there. Obed, the father of Jesse, Jesse, the father of David. The impossible happened not only in a person, but in a place. When Mary, a pregnant teenager without a ring on her finger, what she could have seen as random, following Joseph back to his Bethlehem hometown for a census, was not random at all. And what we see as random in our lives is not random because God does not do random. You are not here on accident. A job transfer, a college decision, a marriage proposal, or a move with the family is not out of God's provision for you. God knows right where you are because he put you here. God is intentional with his invitation to bring you to a destination. Whether temporary or permanent, you are supposed to be here for such a time as this. You are fulfilling his plan for you in this city. God has marked this city with his favor, and he is, he, as he was faithful to Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and their descendants, and then faithful to Mary and Joseph and Jesus, He was anointing that city for greatness. And I believe that Indianapolis is a city with favor upon it. I don't know what you think of Indianapolis, but this city is pregnant with the kingdom of God. And it's being marked with the impossible. And I want to share with you some things that I see. So no matter what your political views are, we have to agree that what has happened here in the past year is unprecedented. Mike Pence is in the White House, and Senator Dan Coats is Director of National Security. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of having lunch with the new Senator, John Crane. He never, ever thought he'd be a politician, but God asked him to run to first Senate, having never run before, and he became a senator, first run out. That is unheard of. All of these men have a biblical worldview and are not ashamed of the gospel. They share their testimonies daily as they work and support the people of Indiana. Our new Governor Holcomb says that he wants Indiana to be the crossroads of the universe. (laughs) This man thinks big. Our city motto is that Indiana is the crossroads of America, and it got that little title because there's six interstates that cross here. But the meaning of that has been changed when Governor Holcomb added value and vision to it by saying, I have such huge vision because of what I see happening here. We see from God's word that he cares about government. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I also want to share with you how I see God Upholding and establishing justice and righteousness right here in our city. The, there are many, many incredible ministries multiplying here. Life Centers offered 19,000 free services to women in crisis. They served 7,700 moms and babies. They saw 117 spiritual decisions. They gave 295 ultrasounds, and 1,962 babies were born just last year. Outreach Inc. reports that their staff and volunteers had 11,000 transformational face-to-face connections with homeless young people in our city that ministry has moved five times since 1998 because of growth and in april just moved into a 12000 foot square foot building which is what we're moving into after one year they had they celebrated 35 high school seniors who graduated they are seeing massive growth neighborhood legal clinic clinic their mission is to do justice love mercy and walk humbly according to micah 68 they have served 3,000 people who needed criminal debt cleared because of um, immigration problems. They filed 187 US citizen applications. They saw 136 victims of violent crime um, who had immigration problems cleared. They helped 536 families um, avoid foreclosure on their homes. And 58 homeless youth served with legal assistance and services. Safe Family placed 500 children in Indianapolis in Christian homes where they were receiving Christian hospitality. In eight years, they have placed over 6,000 children. Then there's Young Lives and the O'Connor House and Parent Life and Midwest Food Bank, which the Indianapolis Division alone saw that they served an estimated 80,000 individuals not families, individuals, through more than 300 agencies in 58 counties in Indiana. Then there's Safe Haven Baby Box, which is Indiana's version of Pastor Lee from South Korea's drop box. It's where they safely surrender a baby, and we're doing that here in Indiana. Just in November, we had the first baby safely surrendered in a baby box. My baby Amelia's footprint is on the logo for that anonymous surrender baby box device. A healthy baby girl went to be with her forever family just this Wednesday. A family that was praying for adoption for only God knows how long will receive their Christmas baby. Indiana has more cuddle cots than anyone in the country. This bedside device is critical for families of infant loss as they grieve. We lead the country in aiding parents for emotional support as they recover from traumatic loss of babies. A TV channel in Russia made a documentary about two ministries here in Indiana who are promoting and protecting life for babies. When they researched who could educate their country about the safe haven law or a baby box because it's such an epidemic loss there, they found what was happening right here in Indiana to be exactly what they needed to teach the people in their country. We are leading the country on what and how to protect abandoned babies. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that encouraging? Doesn't that inspire you? It does me. It reminds me that I live here in Indiana on purpose. It stirs my passion to press into more and more of God. It makes me want to deliver his promises with the fullness of joy. It prompts me to want to listen to his heart for his children so that I can hear more of his invitations and I can say yes. This season is a celebration that we are pregnant with the things of God and our God does the impossible. And he usually uses very unlikely people in very ordinary places. As individuals and families and a church, we are pregnant. And this morning, I want to encourage you to believe that this city is expecting great things from God. Because God is moving. He is doing so much more than we can even know. We need to accept that by faith. There is a history of what God is preparing and has prepared for in the generations that we don't even know the extent of. There's more happening now than we can even put into words, and we haven't even begun to see the fullness of it. But we have a part to play. I have lived in this city for 34 years, 31 of them as a follower of Jesus Christ. I first lived on Allisonville Road, and now I live near Allisonville Road. I have claimed Castleton as my Bethlehem. It's where God has birthed his promises for my life, and I didn't even know I was pregnant with half of them. But the Christmas story shows us that not only does the birth of the promises for his people from God, he births them for cities, and he's doing that right here. This city Where my family was raised, where my ministry was birthed, I know that I have favor in ways that surprise people from many other cities. The secular media broadcasts my redemptive stories on every station. I've been invited to share testimony of what God is doing through my ministry at the State House, through the House of Representatives, and the Senate Chamber. I have seen several Christian ministries that I collaborate with grow and flourish as we have joined efforts. I see secular businesses wanting to become my ministry partners and do kingdom work they never even set out to do. We are building on holy ground. Our new church home is located right in a place that has been pregnant and swelling with hope for decades to see the kingdom come. And it's for now, and it's time. We are not here on accident. Maybe a job brought you to this city. Maybe it was a love story. Or maybe, like Naomi, it was a heartache that just brought you home. But this city is marked by generations of prayer, vision, and faith. We stand on the backs of so many who went before us to lay the foundation for us here of faith. It is evident because I see the church growth that has happened in this city in three decades, and that is proof. So how do we get to see what God wants to birth in this city? We, by faith, have to say yes, even when we don't understand it. When Ruth and Boaz and Naomi were given a future, they said yes. When Mary was given a mission, she said yes. When Joseph was humbled and told to go home, he said yes. And we have to say our yes. We have to say yes to questions that sound like, do I believe you are real God? Do you still speak even to me? Is there destiny on my life? Do I believe that my name is written on the palms of your hands? Do I believe that I was made for greatness? And do I believe that God's Father's heart is pouring into this generation? And will I claim that I'm not just doing stuff? I'm being who God called me to be in my generation. Where my feet and where your feet are planted is your mission field. It's your Bethlehem. When Mary said yes to the whisper of the angel, she didn't just step into the promises of her life. She stepped into the promises of the life of the city she was in. Let the Christmas story this year whisper to you. Because you are pregnant with the impossible. Carry the yes and watch your city be expectant with the impossible. When you say your yes and I say my yes, together we do what God has called us to do. And it multiplies. We see that God is doing something that we need to say yes to so that our city can do what God's called it to do. Our faith for the promise will become sight when we yield to the Holy Spirit growing and living in us. So be expectant by seeing and believing and saying yes. God is doing more than we think. He's bigger than we know. He's preparing and building and equipping you for this city, for the kingdom, because he longs to bring heaven to earth for such a time as this. He longs to bring salvation to his children, their families, and he wants to do it through you. He longs for you to build community that looks like family so that you can leave a legacy and leave impact on this city for generations to come. Ask God what has your name on it, and then say your yes
0: by responding to uh, what God shares with us through His Word. And the Bible tells us that it's really good to hear the Word, but it's better to respond to it and to do it. And so we're going to worship for one more song, and we're going to do a song that we did a little bit earlier, the song Build My Life. And um, as we do that, uh, this is the way I want you to respond. Um, this, this word that my mom just shared i think it's it's at least not a message that i've ever heard as part of a christmas story you know like this massive vision message for your city <laughs> that's, that's new for me but it's so good and um yeah it's a it's a really different way to think and different way to see it and maybe she was sharing and you were realizing okay wow i've never even thought about not thinking about this you know but wow i really do I I see it now that that God really has called us here to be part of something and um, a lot of times in the bible God references like his word like a seed you know and he tells us that he's putting seeds in our hearts and I just kind of feel like this morning this word and this encouragement this challenge is a seed that God has given us and maybe it's a new one maybe it's one that's gotten looked over in your life but what I want to do in these moments of responding is um, I I want us to kind of just let that seed go deep into our hearts. And uh, God talked about cultivating seeds and, and cultivating through prayer and belief and through faith. And so this, during this song, I just want you to, to pray and get with God and, and just just close your eyes and sing the song or don't sing the song, but just take a moment to let this sit, let it sit in. I don't wanna leave and just let this kind of go by the wayside, right? But just take five minutes or whatever this turns out to be and say, okay, God, w- what is my yes? okay, there's this whole city and that's a big thing. I can't do the whole city thing, but I can do my yes. So what, what's my yes? Maybe, maybe he is, is calling you to see your workplace a little bit differently, or your coworkers or your neighbors, or maybe he's just encouraging you to not complain about the cold weather and not hate Indianapolis and say, no, no, okay, I, maybe I don't like the cold, but the city's great. <laughs> the city's great and you do have promises here. And I just think that encouragement that she gave at the end is so good. If, if we all start saying yes, then all of a sudden the whole city says yes. And that can start with us. That can start with a handful of people in a room here in Castleton saying yes. Not only to what God has called us to individually and as a church, but yes, God, I believe what you've called this city to. So I'm gonna see things differently. I'm gonna not complain, I'm gonna encourage. I'm gonna love this place. I'm gonna carry faith in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in people's lives, in stores that I go into. God, you're doing more than I think you're doing and I believe in it. So I don't know what to do about it but I'll say yes whenever you put something in front of me. Is that making sense to anybody? So we're just gonna take a few minutes and like I said, just let the seed go deep. Just let it drop into your heart and say, God, I I wanna hold on to this and think about this and let this start to grow in my own life. And you might be here this morning and maybe your first yes is you're kind of in that same boat as my mom found herself 31 years ago hearing about Jesus and realizing I don't know him like that. I've never given him my life. And maybe your first yes is stepping into all of those belief questions that she listed and saying yes. Yes, I do believe you're God. I do believe that you died for my sins. I do believe that I was born for greatness in you. And like she said, I need to be born again. Maybe that's your yes. And if that's you in these moments, I just want you to say yes. Say yes to Jesus, give him your heart, give him your life, give him your faith and say, okay, Jesus, if I wanna say yes to all this stuff, first I have to say yes to you. And so you can have my life. I need you, forgive me and make me new. So let's pray together as we take these moments. Jesus, we love you so much. And I thank you that nothing you do is on accident. Nothing you do is random that everything you do takes place somewhere and that somewhere matters. It's not just an arbitrary part of the story. The setting matters. And so Lord, we thank you right now for Indianapolis. We thank you for the city and the surrounding areas. We thank you for the promises that you're birthing, that we don't know anything about, that we heard about maybe for the first time. And I thank you for what's gonna come that we don't even know about yet. I thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to say yes and for that to impact a city. So we bless Indianapolis. We thank you, God as a crossroads of America. We asked that it would be the crossroads of the universe, that people would come in and they would encounter your kingdom and they'd be sent out to take it other places. So we love our city, Lord. And in this Christmas season, teach us to believe in what you're calling us to and what you're calling this city to. And Lord, for anybody here who has never given their life to you and said yes to you, that I pray that you would draw us to you, that you teach us to say yes and be made new by your grace. So as we sing this song, Lord, drop this seed into our hearts as we worship and let a harvest come out of the seed. In Jesus' name, amen.